It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking end zone wide open. Touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson. And it goes to Corey Davis. Crowder trying to get him out of space. Slopes a tackle. And there he goes. Crowder. It's a foot race. And Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know that's the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen. Thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is time to go through the keys to the game in tomorrow's matchup between the Jets and the Broncos in Denver. And we're going to do a little bit of film as well with our man over at playlikeajet.com, the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel and co-host of Play Like a Jet Live with Clayton Smarslock Wednesday nights in conjunction with U Stadium. The Thunder from Down Under, Mr. Luke Grant. Luke, what's up, buddy? I'm looking forward to a uh, an improved performance from Zach Wilson on Sunday, hopefully. So, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it and uh, looking forward to, to talking a little ball. I'm hoping for a much improved performance from Zach Wilson tomorrow against the Broncos as well. And if you listen to Tim Jenkins on the show a couple of days ago, he said that it's a much easier fix than most people realize. What is that fix? Go listen to the show if you missed it and you'll find out. Luke also has a pretty good video up right now of Zach Wilson's game and reviewing some of the better points that people overlooked. I know there weren't a ton of them, but there were some and Luke broke them down over on our YouTube channel. Also broke down two things that I wanted to touch on before we get into the keys to the game The first one is what a monster Elijah Vera Tucker was in the run game against the New England Patriots He was definitely much better against the pass than he was in week one, but he was dominant in the run game He really was he was fantastic and it was in multiple ways you saw the wide zone scheme I broke down some plays that he had in that and his mobility and ability to climb to the second level but it was also his physicality, Scott, his ability to just be a people mover in the gap scheme runs that the Jets did. Uh, it was such a, an improved performance from what we saw in week one. And, you know, not only was it an improvement in the run game, it also started to carry over in pass pro too. So it's starting to come together for Elijah Vera Tucker, which is super exciting. And, you know, the sky's the limit for him. And when we get him back next to Mekhi Becton, that left side of the line, particularly in the running game, is going to be phenomenal. I was disappointed in week one that they didn't run left a lot. They ran right more, but you saw a ton more of it last week, uh, which was, you know, better coaching for Matt LaFleur and, you know, Elijah Veritaka. He's just going to go from strength to strength. He's second NFL game and he really shone in the run game. There's a reason why the Jets gave up what they did to go up and get Vera Tucker and why he was considered a blue chip prospect. And you began to see it this past week against the Patriots. We'll see if it carries over against Denver here in week number three. The other video that you made that I thought was pretty cool was two Carters for the price of one. And I love what you did with that Photoshop picture. You took stepbrothers with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. And you photoshopped in Michael Carter, the running back, and then Michael Carter, the second, the slot corner. You broke down how both of them have been very good through two weeks, but especially Michael Carter, the running back against the Patriots. 
And then, of course, Michael Carter II has been a revelation at slot corner so far through the first two weeks. So you get two Michael Carters for the price of one, not only in the film breakdown, but in the draft. As of right now, it looks pretty good for the Jets. I think they need to consider doing this more often, drafting guys who have the same name in the same draft. Yeah, if there's a Derek Stingley that can play maybe right guard or on the edge, that would be fantastic for the Jets. <laughs> uh, but yeah, starting with Michael Carter, the running back, that was the guy we saw at UNC. It was the lateral movement, ability to bounce it out once he gets to the second level and make corners and linebackers miss. It was phenomenal. His vision on those outside runs, running behind Elijah Vera Tucker, was awesome. You saw everything on film that you saw at UNC. He had over six yards per, uh, per touch in the running game, and then he obviously had two catches for 29 yards as well. So it was, it was an awesome performance, and you can tell he and Ty Johnson are about to get the lion's share of the carry. Uh, Tevin Coleman not going this week anyway. So I think this is a good thing. The Jets' running back room is starting to really work itself out. And then for Michael Carter, the running back, in week one, you saw a lot of man coverage against Ter Terrence Marshall in the slot and some other things like that. Against the Patriots, a ton of cover two and cover three, read and react in zone. And he actually leads corners in the NFL with yards per reception allowed. Just 4.1 yards per reception allowed in the NFL is incredible. And he's done a great job through two weeks. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Luke, we go from film breakdowns to keys to the game tomorrow. Jets, Broncos, 4 o'clock Eastern time. And so we look at the five biggest battles. And the first one, we talked a lot about some of these yesterday on Know Your Foe from a Broncos standpoint. But now we'll get it more from a Jets standpoint in terms of who's got the upper hand and how the Jets can win the battle. Von Miller going up against Morgan Moses. The Jets catch a break here because Bradley Chubb is out. He's going to miss significant time. He's not going to play on Sunday. So they only have to deal with Von Miller. And as I said yesterday, Von Miller appears to have found the fountain of youth. He has played outstanding the first two weeks. It's going to be a real challenge for Morgan Moses. Now, Morgan Moses played well last week against the Patriots when he came in in relief the first week wasn't as good. We'll see now if last week was a fluke or if he's back on track when he goes up against Von Miller. But if Morgan Moses can keep Von Miller from getting to Zach Wilson a lot, then the Jets are going to have a much better chance of sustaining a clean pocket for Zach Wilson, which obviously you would hope would go a long way towards him improving his performance from the dreadful one in week two, although he had a clean pocket a lot more often in week two than week one and he played worse in week two so nothing's guaranteed but if Morgan Moses can keep Von Miller away from Zach Wilson that should help a lot should and as you mentioned with Bradley Chubb being out there aren't too many pieces on the Broncos defensive line that scare you the matchup is that Moses versus Von Miller Miller's already had three sacks he lived in the backfield against Jacksonville last week but Morgan Moses was really good uh, against the nice Patriots front last week only two pressures allowed. I don't think he allowed a QB hit. And the good thing, Scott, is we've seen him as recently as last year stand up to premier edge rushes like uh, Shaq Barrett and TJ Watt. We've been through those film breakdowns on your podcast before. He has runs on the board, so to speak. And I like that. I think that he obviously should have started. And he has an opportunity to look. He's not going to go out and shut down Von Miller. But if Von Miller can be limited to two to three pressures, a quarterback hit, and the Jets can do some things with Michael Carter, who's excellent in pass pro, and chip him and give Morgan Moses some help. It's going to go a long way to being victorious, as you said. 
One of the other major matchups that we need to look out for in this game, and again, you heard about this from the mainly Broncos crew, is the Jets' best unit, which is the interior defensive line, against the Broncos' arguably weakest unit, and certainly the weakest one on offense, which is their interior offensive line. Dalton Risner has played horribly. Lloyd Cushenberry has played horribly. Horribly, we're probably going to see a backup in there for Graham Glasgow, who has been the one reliable piece on that interior offensive line, but he's banged up, and it looks like there's a pretty good chance he's not going to play tomorrow. So you've got Quinnen Williams, who has played well, but hasn't had the eye-popping plays that he had for most of last year before he got hurt. You've got John Franklin Myers, who has been very effective up front. Foley Fadakasi is not much of a pass rusher, but still he should be able to get in and help stop the run in a big way. So again, this is arguably the Jets' biggest strength against the Broncos' biggest weakness. The Jets absolutely have to take advantage of this if they want to keep the Broncos on their heels and have a real shot to compete tomorrow. And you know what the most pleasing thing is, Scott? We just listed all the interior defensive linemen the Jets have, and we didn't even touch on Sheldon Rankins, who I Mm -hmm. thought was one of the most underrated players on the field against the Patriots. On John Franklin Myers' sack, that was a stunt. He took out two linemen and gave that opportunity to Franklin Myers. So it's a a great matchup. As you mentioned, Lloyd Cushenberry was the worst center in the NFL last year. Dalton Reisner has not lived up to the billing as a guy who was taken early in the draft. Natani Muti, a guy who I loved coming out last year, He's probably going to start for them and and saw some time there last week. So it's going to be interesting for them how they can piece it together because Teddy Bridgewater has been the third most pressured quarterback in the NFL thus far this year, and they have the highest pressure rate from their interior offensive line. So this is an opportunity for the Jets. The Jags didn't quite take advantage of it. They had pressure on him but couldn't close and, and bring those negative plays, be it sacks or turnovers. But I think this is the week we look at Quinn and Williams and we see a breakout performance from him. He's getting there. He's starting to warm up. He's only played 65 snaps so far this year. So I think we're getting very close to a dominant performance and this is the perfect scene. Being able to get pressure on Teddy Bridgewater is huge for a variety of reasons, but not the least of which the fact that it leads us to the third key to the game, which is the turnover battle. The Jets obviously did not win that last week against the Patriots with Zach Wilson throwing four interceptions. Denver, through the first two games, has been excellent. Teddy Bridgewater, zero interceptions. They are 3-1 to one in takeaway to turnover ratio so far. If that continues tomorrow, the Jets are going to be in a lot of trouble. The Jets have got to avoid the big mistakes, and they've got to put the heat on Bridgewater and hopefully force him and the backfield into some mistakes, and they've got to make sure that they don't have a repeat performance like they did against the Patriots where there were a lot of turnovers from Zach Wilson's hands because if that happens again, I don't see any way that the Jets are going to have a realistic chance. Yeah, I don't think the Jets can win this game if they turn the ball over once. That, that's the truth of it. Mile high is a tough place to play. The Broncos play this really nice brand of complimentary football. They do a great job protecting with Teddy, and then they've got DBs who can take the ball away, and we saw that against Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence had a pair of interceptions, so the Jets have to win the battle. Scott, over the last decade, 78% of teams that have won the turnover battle have gone on to win that game. It's crazy crucial in every football game, but even more so when you have a possession-based team, a Vic Fangio defense, which is bend but don't break, it's going to be crucial that the Jets can protect the football and find a way to turn it over because so far the only turnover they have was on that lucky play where Sam Darnold kind of ran into the fullback and they, and they forced the fumble that way. So it's going to be crucial for New York. 
one of the other key matchups that I don't think has been getting enough talk. Two players that look like they could be on the verge of becoming a real force at their respective positions, and that's Bryce Hall at cornerback for the Jets and Cortland Sutton at wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. Now, as you heard Matty Moles and Zach Seegers talk about on the podcast yesterday for Know Your Foe, Cortland Sutton, before the injury two years ago, had 1,000 yards. So it's not a complete surprise what he's been doing the first two weeks, but he has been one of the best receivers in the AFC so far. A huge weapon for Teddy Bridgewater and that offense. Bryce Hall, fifth-round pick out of Virginia last year. Now he's back this season starting from day number one, and he has been really good the first two weeks. This will be his stiffest test. Cortland Sutton could be a star in the making. If Bryce Hall can hold him, as you say, Luke, to under 75 yards this week against the Broncos, it could go a long way in stifling that Broncos offense and giving the Jets a much better chance than most people think. Other than watching Zach Wilson, I think this is the matchup I'm most intrigued and excited to watch, Scott. Cortland Sutton, you mentioned it's not a surprise to people who have seen him that he's having the success. What is a surprise? He leads the NFL in air yards targeted with 301 Mm -hmm. yards that Teddy Bridgewater has tried to target him in the air. This has been a push the ball down the field offense. You can see that when they're getting those three-by-one sets, they put Cortland Sutton on the backside and Teddy Bridgewater looks for him isolated against the corner. If the Jets are going to be playing these cover three and cover four looks, you know there's going to be opportunities where that turns effectively into man coverage from a principal perspective anyway. So they're going to be on each other a ton. And Bryce Hall and the Jets secondary have done an incredible job. You want to talk about the Jets corners? They've allowed the third least yards in the NFL to wide receivers. And then conversely, Teddy Bridgewater has been finding Cortland Sutton a ton. So I'm excited by it. And I think it's actually a good matchup. The guys who tend to give Bryce Hall some trouble are the guys who can separate at the stem, guys who are quick in and out of their breaks, a great route runner like Keenan Allen. But I don't think that's Cortland Sutton's game. I think he matches up pretty well to Bryce Hall. So I'm excited to see how those two go at it. Luke, you took a look at Bryce Hall's film, although you don't have a video up on it yet, perhaps this week after the Broncos game, depending on what he does against Cortland Sutton. But what do you think has made him such a strong corner so far through two games? And do you think there's a good likelihood that it plays out the way that you just said, that Bryce Hall gets the better of Sutton simply because this is a matchup that favors Hall in a way that most people aren't saying right now? Yeah, I think it's a great opportunity. And What surprised me the most about Bryce Hall's film, not just last week, they played a lot more zone, but also the previous week, was how well he covered deep. Robbie Anderson is a tough matchup for him. He's got great deep speed. And I thought that was something Bryce Hall lacked coming out of Virginia, especially after the ankle injury. But he's done a great job with his deep speed. Uh, he's just, there's been no separation. You watch Brandon Eccles on the, on the other side. Occasionally, the, the ball hasn't been thrown there, but you can see there's an opportunity in a window. There's hardly been any of that from Bryce Hall. He's been extremely sticky. He's a great tackler. He's good at the catch point, although we haven't seen that yet because he hasn't been targeted a ton. But I just have been impressed by his overall game. I think he's gone from strength to strength building off last year. And look, maybe this is the week he gets his first interception because I'd say they're going to target him a fair bit when he's on Sutton. Final key to the game, Corey Davis versus whoever he goes up against. And this could be Kyle Fuller. 
This could be Patrick Sertan the second. It could be a combination of both of them. They might rotate who covers Corey Davis throughout the game. It's even possible that they'll double Davis at times. We saw what Bill Belichick did. He schemed to take out Corey Davis, pretty much did that. And it confused Zach Wilson, put him on his heels because Wilson was looking for Corey Davis early and often the way that he did against the Carolina Panthers. And that led to the mistakes that really took Wilson and the Jets out of the game and never got them back into it. If Denver is able to take Corey Davis out the way that the Patriots did, it could be a very rough afternoon for Zach Wilson, although I hope that throughout practice this week and obviously game planning with LaFleur, they've worked with him on going somewhere other than Davis and being able to distribute the ball a little bit better. But he's going up against Kyle Fuller, who is a veteran cornerback, still one of the better ones in the league, and Patrick Sertan II, who's a rookie, but who's been very, very effective the first two weeks. So this is an incredibly important matchup, regardless of who ends up covering Davis. If Wilson can get the ball into his hands, that's great. If he can't but tries to force it in there, could lead to some real problems. Or if they're able to take Davis out of the game, but Wilson can find a way to distribute it to other receivers, then they might have a chance in that regard as well because Denver will be focusing so much energy on Corey Davis that if Wilson can establish chemistry with other guys, then it might be able to produce some positive yards and even some points that we weren't expecting. Yeah, as you alluded to, Scott, I thought that the Jets' offense so far, whether it be preseason or the first two weeks, have really gone as Corey Davis has gone. And you mentioned Zach Wilson not being able to get off of him sometimes and find the other place. The best thing Mike LaFleur can do is get some creative touches from Elijah Moore. We've seen one Jet sweep, and that's it so far. But going back to Davis, I think this is an important week for him to bounce back. He had the drop for the interception that kind of compounded the early issues Zach Wilson was having. He put the Jets in a hole. He was spectacular in week one and had 90-ish yards and a couple of touchdowns. So if he can be strong, I think they can attack Kyle Fuller. You mentioned that he's a good veteran corner. Jacksonville took their shots at him. Marvin Jones had a deep ball, and there were two or three others that Trevor Lawrence just, and I mean just missed, where Marvin Jones had separation on Kyle Fuller. So I think that's a matchup the Jets can exploit. I think it's a favorable matchup. We just need Corey Davis to be that guy again and bounce back after Bill Belichick week. Luke, any other keys to the game that we didn't touch on yet that you want to throw in there? No, I don't think so. Um, I, I would just say that uh, the coaching battle is going to be interesting. And I think that the Jets offense against Denver's defense is going to be a good thing long-term for Zach Wilson. Here's what I mean by that. He's run into so far a lot of cover three and cover one man. Obviously, Phil Snow played a lot of cover three and then Bill Belichick last week with the man coverage. Fangio's too deep. He's going to force you to check down. He's going to force you to go down the field methodically and not just rip off chunk plays. It's like Brandon Staley. It's like Matt Eberflus in the in uh, Indianapolis. So this is an opportunity for LaFleur and Wilson to go about the business the way they should have been, and that's get the ball out of his hand quickly, throw their five-yard hitches, the speed outs. So I'm intrigued to see how the Jets handle it, how patient Wilson can be. I just think that's something to watch for Jets fans, but I think it actually could help with Wilson's development. 
Going to be a fascinating matchup to watch for a variety of reasons, but as you said, key here above everything else is seeing how this impacts Zach Wilson's development, and we can only hope that it impacts his development in a positive direction. Luke Grant, who does our film reviews over on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel and playlikeajet.com, also the co-host of Play Like a Jet Live on U Stadium with Clayton Smarslock Wednesday nights. Thanks so much for coming on breaking down some of the film and going through the keys to tomorrow's matchup between the Jets and the Denver Broncos with me. Really appreciate it. For those that want to follow you on social media and check out everything that you're doing, how can they do that? On Twitter, Luke Grant 7 Make sure you follow me there. And then the main thing for us is just supporting the YouTube channel. We've got tons of content. It's five to six videos every single week. Film breakdowns that we touched on the top. We had Michael Carter and ABT this week. You'll get a Zach Wilson breakdown every single se- um, every single week of the season. We have uh, another episode where we go through and talk to the opposition. And uh, we call it flight into enemy territory. We had Mark Schofield on last week, the Patriots week. We have some great guests lined up for that. So support us, play like a jet YouTube. And then obviously over here as well, Scott. Watch all the videos on YouTube, subscribe if you haven't already, and give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com. <laughs>